Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Wallace Ministries. This is Season 2, Episode 13, Look and Live. And the reason that I want to talk about this particular topic today is because I firmly and truly believe that what you fill yourself with is what will come out of you. I'm a huge believer in the truth that we live from the inside out. Even if we don't necessarily know that or believe it, that's what happens. Because what's inside of us, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, love, mercy, grace, or bitterness, hurt, or whatever it is, whatever it is that's inside of you, that's really kind of what defines you. It's too big to stay in there. It will come out. So it's important that we fill ourselves with the right things. I truly believe that you are what you eat. And I think, you know, that's what Jesus was talking about when he says, you know, this bread is my body, come take eat of me. When he said, this wine is my blood, come take drink of me. I think this, the, the spiritual truth there is that what we fill ourselves with, uh, what I'm trying to say is garbage in, garbage out right? If you fill yourself with all of that negative stuff, then that's what you'll have inside of you. And you can't give what you don't have. You can only give what you do have. So what's important to me to try to convey to you is what you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life. What you see is what you be. And with that in mind, I want to read Isaiah chapter 51 verse 1. And I'm going to read it first in the New Living Translation, then in the King James Version. And it reads, Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance. And again, always to me, and I know that I look at things differently than a lot of other uh, pastors or preachers or, or however you want to label it. But when I see things like deliverance or salvation in the Bible, I don't see an afterlife. I see sometimes you need to be delivered from what you're going through right now. Sometimes you need to be saved from what you're going through right now. I think hell can be a present reality. If you're going through hell, keep on going. And I think heaven is a present reality, the days of heaven on earth. So it says, listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. And I think my kid would love that because he loves Minecraft and he understands, at least, you know, in, in the video game world, that if you want those resources, you have to go out and get them, which is a different mindset than a lot of people have these days, kind of a sense of entitlement, but I'm going to leave that alone right now. I'm not going to get into that. What I want to focus on is consider the rock from which you were cut, because in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you came from. I... I kind of think, for the most part, with the big things in life, we will go one of two ways. For example, if you have a parent who's an alcoholic, I think you really have more or less two choices. You can either say, well, I'm an alcoholic because my parent's an alcoholic, and you can you know, kind of accept that as uh, your fate or your destiny, or you can go the other way and you can say, well... My parents are an alcoholic, so I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to follow in those footsteps. I'm not going to get stuck in that same trap. 
But either way, you have to consider the rock from which you were cut. You have to know where you came from. Because if you don't know that you have an alcoholic parent and, and you know, you're going through life and you're like, well, you know, I'll just try drinking. It's, it's probably no big deal. But, but it's in your genes that it is a big deal. Then, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure. But if you know where you come from, you can have a better idea of how to get where you want to go. Which is another thing, is if you don't know where you want to go, it's going to be very, very hard for you to get there. And I can tell you that from experience because, as as my dad says, uh, I stumbled around in the wilderness for, for quite a while before I figured out how to get to the mountaintop. Sometimes it felt like, you know, I was in a hamster wheel or, or I was literally just going around in circles repeating the same mistakes over and over and never really learning from them. And I joke about it and I say, you know, I like to make the same mistake three or four times just to make absolute sure that it's a mistake. But at some point, it's important to learn and grow, to make a mistake and learn from that mistake. And there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. If you never make any mistakes, you can't learn from your mistakes. More is learned from failure than it is from success. So don't get down on yourself if you make mistakes. Just make sure that you learn from those mistakes so you can keep moving forward. So we need to know where we're where we need to know where we're going and we need to know where we've come from. And in order to truly know who we are, we need to know who our father is. In this case, our heavenly father. Because well, let me read it. Let me read it in the King James and then we'll we'll go on. Isaiah 51, 1 in the King James reads, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit where ye are dig where ye are digged. Now, just so we're really, truly, honestly, perfectly clear about what we're talking about when we are looking unto the rock from which we were hewn or from which we were cut, 1 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 reads, All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Paul writes about it in the New Testament in another place, where he talks about how Jesus is the foundation, and there can be no other foundation other than the one that is slain, that is put down, that is Jesus. He is the rock of salvation. He is the foundation that we build on. He is the beginning and the end and everything in between, the alpha and the omega. So when we're looking at the rock from which we were hewn, we're looking at Jesus. When we see ourselves in him, we see our true selves. Christ in you, the hope of revealed glory. Because when you know Christ is in you, it comes out of you. Again, that's the whole divine order of things, is living from the inside out. What's inside you coming out as you fill yourself to overflowing with it? The glory that God has put in you, when he put himself in you, when he put his spirit in you, when he put his incorruptible seed in you, coming out of you. Because it's too big not to. Right? When you fill yourself to overflowing with what he has already filled you with, then it's a natural overflow. It's not you trying to be like anything. It's you looking at the rock from which you were hewn and literally being a chip off the old block. And that's another thing I can relate to my son because <laughs> there's a picture of my dad when he was younger that people mistakenly think is a picture of me. Because 
we look that much alike. And when my son was born, the thing that I heard more than anything else as he grew up more and more was, wow, no DNA test needed there because the genes are very strong. It's like the, the next generation of clone, the next generation of clone. Like I, I call him mini me because in, in, in a lot of ways we are very much alike and there's no mistaking who he is or whose son he is. And spiritually speaking, we can apply that to ourselves when we begin to look at ourselves through that lens of truth, through the cross, through the idea that we are Jesus, God in the flesh, love in a body. He is our true identity. And when we know, you know, the Bible says in another place, one of my favorite verses says, as he is, so are we in this world. So that behooves us then to find out and understand how he is where he is and who he is, because only in knowing him do we truly know ourselves. Because again, he is our true identity. So if you want to know who you are, you have to look to the rock from which you were hewn. You have to look to Christ to see your true identity. And I'm going to read a couple of verses that I think apply to this, this looking or, or this seeking. Because I've said many times that this, you know, eternal, never-ending, lifelong journey is simply a journey into the heart of the matter, which is the heart. So when we're looking for something, we need to look inside. We need to look at the heart. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 in the King James Version says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that verse has always stuck with me ever since I was a little kid. Because, and, and listen, I understand that in the context of that chapter, it's saying when God looked at Noah, God gave him grace. But the way that they word it is so powerful to me because Noah found grace when he looked in God's eyes. He found grace at the source of grace. Remember when we talked about coming boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of trouble. You have to look at the source. You have to look for things where they are in order to find them. That's what Noah did. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He knew where to look for it. He looked God straight in the face, which a lot of times in the Old Testament, the Bible says, anybody who looks into the face of God shall not live. But what we're talking about today is the, the truth that says, if you look, you will live. So Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29 reads, But from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. That's the key. If you're looking in the right place with the right heart, you will find what you're looking for. That's what God honors. That's what God wants. He doesn't want you to rub, you know, try to rub a, a lamp and, and get a genie to come out and grant you three wishes. And I'm not saying God won't give you what you ask for. I'm saying that, you know, the Bible says anything you ask, Jesus said anything you ask in my name, my father will give you. And people think that that means at the end of your prayer, you should say in Jesus name, amen. But really what that means is when you ask for something in Jesus name, you're asking for it with Jesus's heart. You're asking for it with his nature. You're asking for something he would ask for. 
it's the same idea that we've talked about before about binding and loosing. What, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Well, that doesn't mean you can bind something and then heaven will bind it. That means if you bind something on earth, you, you've, you're able to bind it because it's already bound in heaven. We don't bring earth to heaven. We bring heaven to earth. So that's that divine order of things again. And uh, it's searching for him with all your heart and soul and finding him. And Jeremiah 29, 13 echoes that and says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So I don't think God is trying to make this hard. I don't think God is trying to make this complicated. I think this is a very simple, I didn't say easy, I said simple way of looking at it. You know, uh, I've, I've seen like a, like a picture and I think it was a stick figure, which which I can't even draw stick figures with a ruler. Uh, that's not my artistic talent. But the the one stick figure is is holding a heart, and I think it even has like a little crack in it. And uh, and he's offering it up to uh, a stick figure with a beard that and long hair that's supposed to represent Jesus. And uh, and and the stick figure says, "I know it isn't much, but it's all I have." And then the Jesus stick figure says. It's all I ever wanted. And I really think that's true. I think God just simply wants us to want him, if I can paraphrase a, a cheap trick song. I think God just wants us to invite him to be involved in our lives. And I think God is involved in our lives, whether we invite him or not. I think he protects us from a lot of things that we never even know about. And thank God that he does. But I think that we can make things a lot harder for ourselves or a lot easier for easier for ourselves, excuse me, depending on how we look at things, depending on how often and how much we invite God into the situations in our lives. And uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but my favorite Bible verse is pray without ceasing. Because I think that if we spent more time I want to say in the presence of God, but that's not quite right because we're always in the presence of God. He's everywhere all the time and he lives in us. But I guess really in the mindset, if we spent more time in the mindset of God, if we spent more time using the mind of Christ that is already in us to know and to think and to live the thoughts of God, thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring us to an expected end, I think that we would make things a lot easier for ourselves. I think sometimes you know, we get stubborn and we get bullheaded and we say, I'm going to do what I'm, what I want to do. And, uh, and sometimes if we think that it's something God wouldn't approve of, we say ridiculous things like, well, God will just sit this one out. I'll just leave God out of this one. God doesn't sit anything out. He swore he would never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us even to the ends of the earth. He's with us forever, no matter what. I heard one preacher say, God is a stalker. Like you, you can't leave him out of anything. He's always there. And I'm not saying that to, to try to shame you or to, you know, criticize you. I'm, I'm just simply saying the more you let him into your life, the more you will see love and light and life in your life. You can live life or you can live the life that Jesus came for us to have, which is an abundant life. So if we're looking with our whole hearts, we will find him. Luke chapter 11, verse 10, Jesus himself said, For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. 
And I like that a lot because that means don't give up. That means you can go through things in order to get to the other side. And, and, I, and I preach about this a lot because I think this is very practical. You know, uh, all things work together for good. I think it was uh, Joseph with his coat of many colors after his brothers betrayed him and he spent time in jail and, and then he was lifted up all the way to Pharaoh's right-hand man who he said, you meant that for evil, but God meant it for good. A lot of times we give up before we see the end of the story when the whole time God was working toward that expected end. So don't give up. If you seek but you don't immediately find it, keep seeking. Everyone who seeks finds. If you seek with your whole heart, you will find him. I think these are not even clues, but like like instructions. Like these are life hacks. If you want God involved in your life, don't ever stop and don't ever give up. So now I want to read a passage of scripture in Numbers chapter 21. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter. And uh, well, I'll just read it and then we'll see how much background I need to get into it. This is when the people of Israel were following Moses through the wilderness and they had, you know, a ton of trials and tribulations and, and some of them wanted to go back to Egypt and be slaves again and, and all these other things. But let's read it. Numbers 21, starting with verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loath, loatheth this light bread. Verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. There's a lot in this story, and uh, and of course I want to, uh, uh, as always, I want to point to Jesus. The serpent on the pole is a type and shadow of Jesus on the cross. Uh, you know, even even when Jesus was literally on the cross, there were other people being crucified on his right hand and on his left hand, and and one of them mocked him, and the other one said, you know, uh, today I would be with you in paradise, and Jesus said, believe in me, and that's exactly where you'll be. So even, you know, in a very literal sense, when Jesus was on the cross, the one that looked to him, the one that kind of seeked him with his whole heart, lived. They were dying on the cross, but they lived, you know, spiritually, the, the, the never-ending, the everlasting life. So that's what we're talking about here in, in Type and Shadow is Jesus on the cross, looking to Jesus, looking to the rock from which you were hewn. You're a chip off the old block, and Jesus is that rock. And, you know, if we went on and on from, from that story, uh, we would see the people of Israel getting that manna from heaven, that light bread. You would see the spiritual rock. Moses struck the rock 
and and water came out of the rock and and that's what first corinthians was uh alluding to but the thing that i really want to take away from this story is we spend so much time we spend so much of our three t's really our time our treasure and our talent crouched over hunched down looking at and wailing about and fighting the serpents that are around our ankles. We spend so much time focusing on the problems ahead of us and around us. We spend so much time focusing on the negative things in our life. And again, you know, what you magnify in your life is what manifests in your life. If you wake up in the morning and you say, oh man, this is going to be a horrible day. Well, it probably will be. Not because of any, you know, scheme against you, but because of your own mindset. Because no matter what happens, you're going to see it through that slanted and skewed viewpoint. If you're always looking at the serpents on the ground that are nipping at your heels, then you're going to miss out on everything else that's going on around you. And specifically, you're looking at the wrong thing. If you're looking down at the problems, you're not looking up at the solution. You're not looking up at the serpent on the pole. And again, Moses said, look and live. When we look to Jesus, we see our true selves. We see our life. When we look to Jesus, we can stop trying to be somebody we're not, and we can simply be who we are. We can see who we are and be who we are. What you see is what you be. You are what you eat. So I want to read three more verses uh, that I, I think and I hope really tie this together uh, in order to close this out. Oh, I wanted to say one more thing about the fiery serpents. Uh, the, the people were whining and complaining. The people started getting bit by fiery serpents. And then the people begged Moses to pray to the Lord. At some point, you can pray to the Lord on your own. At some point, you don't need somebody to intercede for you. You can go straight to the source. I think that's one thing that's really missing in a lot of people's lives. It's just that confidence to come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't need an intermediary. We don't need anybody else to do our praying for us. You don't need, uh, you know, to 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 go to church and 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 give a prayer request to the pastor. And you can do that. And and I'm sure the pastor will pray for you. But I don't think God hears the pastor's prayers any more or any less than he hears your prayers. Right. We have a direct line to God because he lives in us. If we make a mistake, we can take responsibility for that mistake and we can make amends for that mistake. And we don't need, uh, you know, third party intervention. So I'm not saying don't pray for people. You should pray for people. I'm not saying don't ask people to pray for you. That's totally fine. But I'm saying at the end of the day, get in your, get in your prayer closet, get with God, pray without ceasing. You should always be in, in contact with him, in communication with him. And that means talking to him and listening to him. I think a big part of uh, what people miss a lot of the times is the listening part. Like, like yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of rant against this uh, a lot, but the idea of push, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. I don't know, man. Just I think you should just cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Just give it to him and just move on. You don't have to force God to do something. All right, let me read my last three verses and close down for today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 reads, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Again, that's the rock from which we were hewn. You can't make something out of nothing. God created us 
out of himself. He created us in his own image. It's like me and my dad and my kid, mini me, mini me, mini me, down and down the line. So we need to understand that that's where we come from. Because when we're looking to Jesus, we're looking to our roots. We're looking to, our, our again, our, our true selves. We're looking to where we've come from so that we can know where we are. We're looking at who we have come from so that we can know who we are. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, in the King James Version, the Bible reads, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So see, we were created in the image of God. But it wasn't until the cross that we were conformed to the image of his Son. That's when the, uh, uh, the light started to shine, right? In the beginning, the heaven and the earth, y your mind and your body, you were dark and formless and without form. And then God said, let there be light. And then we could see him. We could see ourselves. It's so important that we see ourselves through the cross. It's so important that we see ourselves by looking at the brass serpent on the pole, by looking at the rock from which we were hewn. So he first created us in his image, but we didn't know who we were. It was dark and void and without form. And we tried the best we could with what we had to be what we thought we should be. The problem was we didn't have anything, or, or, or really we didn't know we had anything. The problem was we, didn't, we, we couldn't see anything because it was dark. So then God conformed us to the image of his son. He showed us who we are by showing us who Jesus is, by saying, let there be light, by sending his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God knew that we had no idea who we were because we had no idea who he was. Even throughout all throughout the Old Testament, God looks a lot more like man than man looks like God. Because in the Old Testament, without the Holy Spirit, we filtered everything through ourselves. Uh, I had a teacher once who said that he didn't think God created people. He think people created God. And he, he said, you know, if you look at the Bible, it looks like God was made in our image. Sometimes he gets mad. Sometimes he gets happy. He's very warlike. Uh, he gets, you know, it seems like he has bad moods sometimes and all these different, it's a, 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 a almost a very humanistic God. And then when you get to the new covenant, Jesus comes in dressed in the flesh of a man and flips everything around. And he's not like anybody you've ever met. He says, you have heard an eye for an eye, but I say, turn the other cheek. And he took these kind of base, carnal ideas uh, uh, of what it means to be human and got rid of them and showed us what it really means. He showed us what love means. When he said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, what he showed Philip was a man who loved people. And that's who God is. Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He was that perfect hybrid, that perfect connection, that perfect bridge between God and man. God in man. Again, Jesus, our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. So that's why, even though we were created in God's image, it wasn't until the cross that we were conformed to the image of his son. That's when God took it a step further.
And that's why a couple of chapters later, in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, in the King James, it reads, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And listen, God doesn't have three different wills. He doesn't have a good will, an acceptable will, and a perfect will. His will is good, acceptable, and perfect. God likes to deal in threes, and that's that's the, the rule of three for his one will. He's not double-minded. He, he, you know, he, he has one will, and it's good, acceptable, and perfect. And what he and, and, and when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind in order to prove that will, more than anything else, you're proving it to yourself. And when you prove it to yourself, when you get it inside you, that's when it can come out of you. And I like where it says, be not conformed to this world, which means don't go back to the world. You have been transformed. Now be transformed into what you've already been transformed into. The good fight of faith is laying hold of the eternal life that we've already been given. It's receiving it. So we receive it and release it. We receive it by releasing it, and we release it by receiving it. We fill ourselves to overflowing with what he has filled us with, and then we experience it by giving it away. So when we look and live, we are being transformed into what we see. When we look back or consider the rock from which we were hewn, we see our true selves, our true identity, our true nature. And then we can stop trying to be somebody we're not, and we can embrace who we are. The hardest thing to do in this life is to try to be somebody you're not. Because it goes against every instinct that you have. So be encouraged. Mistakes are okay. Seek with your whole heart and you will find. nowhere to look. Go to the source. Be who you are by knowing who you are. By knowing who Jesus is. That's what I have for this week. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for all the support, for helping me get the word out there. And uh, we will see you again next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.